Let's pretend a genre is a group of third graders. Hi, we're third graders. This whole group of third graders would be considered a genre because they're all in third grade. They're all about the same age. They're all about the same height. They all know about the same stuff. That would be a genre. Earbuds and earworms. I'm Amy. I like all genres. Shepherd, and this is Mitchell. And I am punker than thou. You are punker than thou. I'm not. I'm totally not. <laughs> but we're gonna pretend. I mean, that's. I almost feel like that's the theme of the show. Is actually punker than thou. Yeah, I'm. I'm punker than thou. I'm cooler than thou. But way cooler because you you were there at the beginning. Right. Yes. Now this is this episode was actually suggested by Naomi like a month or two ago. Right. Yeah. And she came up with a really cool song and she was like, "Hey, is there or is there a show in this?" And apparently there is a show in this. Yeah, for sure. I uh, whenever she suggested that, you know, I had maybe two or three in my head that I was like, "Okay, I could contribute this much." to like diss tracks for genres or whatever but i i was thinking that it would be a bit more narrow of a of a selection but the ear buddies came through with lots of good choices actually yeah i didn't realize i was pretty surprised do you know how hard it is to find diss tracks against genres yeah it's kind of it's it's a much more broad category or a much more specific category rather than just like diss tracks i know if we ask for diss tracks you just get a bunch of like hip-hop people like yelling at each other and And taylor swift and Katy perry right yeah you got that too yeah so there's a few outside of like the hip hop genre, but I, I definitely really liked the idea of being more specific, and I'm really glad that it panned out the way it did. It's like such a narrow, narrow band of like one band hates this specific thing, which I yeah. thought was super interesting. You had quite a few. What did you narrow it down to? All right, so my my decision this week, I ended up on uh, Propagandi's song "Sky Sucks." Sky sucks. Sky revival is enjoying stupid. So yeah, this one's for Craig, who I understand has an unreasonable hatred for ska music. Um, I actually love ska, so fuck you, Craig. I don't know what to tell you, bud. High five, Amy. Yep. Uh, yeah, so Propagandi otherwise was like a pretty straightforward punk band, a little bit heavier and faster than uh, than this parody, but whenever the Sky Revival was happening in the early 90s, they a lot of punks thought it was like a cash grab, and they thought it was going to adulterate the more serious message of the harder punk rock. Um, I'm sure that this song wasn't really 
directed at anyone super specific. You know, it was probably pretty loosely directed. But I do wonder if they were surprised when pretty much every ska band worth their salt started covering this at their shows and on their <laughs> records. Uh, anybody who's anybody has a, a good cover of Ska Sucks. I, so I never heard of this. I love the band name, Propagandi. Yeah. I was really hoping that they were like a straight ska band. Right. Because that would have been really good. I thought, I was like, wow, is this like self-hatred of ska? Because like they, they really pull off the ska sound very, very well. And so do they actually hate ska music? I'm pretty sure that they don't hate ska music. I think they just hate the people who were, were doing it to be cool. And they, they sensed uh, something not positive that was going to come from the ska revival and there are a few bands that are pretty bad, but for the most part, even like all the third wave sky, like Less Than Jake and Mustard Plug and Skank, Skank and Pickle. And, you know. Wait, I'm sorry. I haven't heard Skank and Pickle. Right, yeah. Skank, <laughs> Skank and Pickle was, uh, and, and it is with the N apostrophe, Skankin'. Skank uh-huh. and Pickle. Yes, you mean the proper Skank Yes, terms. exactly. So... I, I feel like I just learned a whole lot. Yeah, I'm but. sure that they were friends with tons of like ska bands and stuff, uh, but they were just kind of sensing that something bad was going to come, sensing something uh, inauthentic. Well, no doubt. Man, I, I consider, especially with the Blue album, and they had one other album that was pretty straightforward ska, right? I, I, I think so, Like, but of course I liked No Doubt. Probably because yeah. there was a female front singer. Right, of course. And I think that they jabbed at that quite a bit. So I like ska, and I was trying to learn how to play bass whenever <laughs> ska was popular. So that's what I was doing. I had to search really, really hard to find a diss track for another genre. And I found Anti-Flags, Indie Sucks, Hardline Sucks, and Emo Sucks. But what about punk rock? What about punk rock? Ha 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 ha! Girlfriend dumped me, (laughs) and I'm really, really hurt. I feel like there's a lot of commentary that can be unpacked here. I'm not really quite sure, like what the pure message is. I'm. I feel like this is like a modernist statement on what, you know, music should be, and it should be pure and all this other stuff. But it's like, um, you know modernist painters joined a band and they're like well this is not the pure essence of punk music and i i thought like i was trying to figure out if maybe this like very standardized punky sound was kind of making fun of like the indie hardline and emo music and trying to like kind of work those the typical sound into not liking these other genres that kind of went more emotional or you know, with a message, and I don't know. I don't know what to think of this song. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's because I've never been the hugest fan of Anti-Flag anyway, but I don't think that this was a joke to them. Uh, it has a little bit of a, uh, you know, they're kind of a- apologetic about it, but not really, and 
I, I don't think it's joking at all. I think they're pretty legit mad about like indie and emo music gaining some attention. Uh, they try to diss Steve Albini, who's like one of the most iconic and talented <laughs> and, and, and innovative and inventive engineers and producers of all time. And for no reason, also bash bands that play in odd time signatures. It's like, so, I think they were just pissed off that other bands are pushing the envelope when they just have like mediocre political commentary and just the same beaten to death chord progressions. And I was about to say, I was like, I didn't know if it was like tongue in cheek, but they were kind of like the most stereotypical punk yeah. chord progressions and beats. And I almost feel like you could put this meter up against any like classic punk mm-hmm. band and it would be that. So Yeah, that's how I've always felt about anti flag. And so they, they have a couple good songs that are really catchy and really well done. But for the most part there there's other bands that are spreading the same message with a much more exciting musical dynamic. So So this was dissing other genres just because they're like, I'm not doing as well. Yeah, I think they were mad. I am I'm anti anti flag. <laughs> so you're pro flag? Um, I don't, that's, no, wait. <laughs> we got into, did you vote today? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, as you were saying, you didn't expect as many songs to show mm-hmm. up, and I don't know how long this thread is, but there's quite a few. Oh, yeah, we had quite a few in the Ear Buddies thread, and then I had a little side thread on my oh, personal yeah. Facebook. I tried to drag everyone in, so <laughs> hopefully they're all in the group now. Hopefully, so that I hope that your songs are represented here. Our first one is from Jonathan S. And it's Simon and Garfunkel's A Simple Desultory Philippic. Well, I paid all the dues I want to pay. And I learned the truth from Lenny Bruce. And all of my wealth won't buy me help. So I smoked a pint of tea today. I'm no man's brains to smile. You come cranking up in a towel Not the same as you and me It doesn't take poetry You're so unhip when you say Dylan He thinks you're talking about Dylan Thomas Whoever he was The man ain't got no culture But it's alright, Ma Everybody must get stoned I've been nicked Jagger been silver dagger. Andy Warhol, won't you please come home? Simon and Garfunkel skewering Dylan's electric period. So I had no idea this song existed. Oh man, I definitely did. And it's kind of amazing because it started and I was like, this sounds like a Bob Dylan song. And apparently it was meant to sound like a Bob Dylan mm-hmm. song. Like, hey, maybe it's not so hard to sound like Bob Dylan. And I was like, mm, burn Paul Simon. He yeah. knows how to burn some bridges. He does, man. Paul Simon's a snarky dude. He is. I, I, you definitely get that like sharp edge on him. And it's just, wow. But I think that if they really wanted to update this song, if, you know, Garfunkel and Simon can ever be put in the room together amicably. Yeah, it's been a while. Um, yeah, uh, that they could add more mumbling. Yeah, and, definitely. And it would be super up to date. Yeah, I'm definitely glad Paul Simon took on Bob Dylan. I'm obsessed with Paul Simon. I've always thought Bob Dylan was pretty overrated. I'm sure, like, I yeah, agree. another high five. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm sure if a big Dylan fan sat me down and was like, read these lyrics, you know, I'd probably be really into it. But for the most part, not my really, not my thing, really. And Paul Simon is just a brilliant arranger and lyricist and guitar player. 
Simon and Garfunkel, super influential to me. I mean, you know, my love of harmonies and stuff like that. Simon and Garfunkel are perfect at that sort of thing. Their 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 harmonies are always really ambitious. You know, like yeah. it's really different, very stylistic, and you know, Dylan gets this this you know put on the mantle put on him of being you know the voice of a generation. But you know, I feel like Simon and Garfunkel did the same stuff with a lot more elegance. Yeah, I'm I'm actually like I feel somewhat vindicated for never being a huge Bob Dylan fan because right. you know a lot more about music than sure. I do, and of course my taste generally I'm like okay, well I know what I like and I know what, and I have a broad range of things that I love. But um, hearing that someone else says that maybe Bob Dylan might be overrated, yeah, you can at me, at Madam Woolite on Twitter. Come right. at me. Um, I, I think that's a fascinating thing, and I wonder how many conversations happened since he got that Nobel Prize. Yeah, I don't know. Bob Dylan may be a little bit more punk rock, I guess, but I don't know. Paul Simon all the way forever. <laughs> I just love Paul Simon's albums a lot more. Uh, Alex M. brought Pearl Jam's Corduroy. I'll take the- This was Eddie giving the middle finger to the grunge movement. He saw a knockoff version of the corduroy jacket he was wearing while at a mall in Seattle. I'm pretty sure he'd bought it at a thrift store, but there they were at probably the fucking buckle selling it for $100. Did buckle exist back then? I think they were probably called something different at that point, but late 90s, I believe, like really late 90s is when buckle came around, I believe. Yeah, at least that's whenever I was hanging out in the malls. Yeah. But... Um, I also saw, like, looking at the Genius lyrics, I was, like, a $500 price tag on his, like, copycat. Wowzers. Yeah. Um, I almost feel like this kind of attack on, like, the commercialization of grunge really almost was the story of grunge sometimes. Mm-hmm. Because if you think about it, you know, you think of Nirvana and Kurt Cobain, and, of course, they're fighting against commercialization or... You know, that was kind of like the mantle of the genre, like fighting against listenability and like album sales and things like that. But then they became successful. Right. So I I find that interesting. And um, it's like kind of how I started not liking the inauthentic emo bands. And I probably dismissed quite a few because like Hawthorne Heights came out. Right. <laughs> I, I find that like super interesting that, you know, with these diss tracks, you're really having to confront like, well, what is what makes this specific genre what it is? And why do, you know, people within this genre hate it? Right. So. Yeah, it's, it's definitely the trope of any like in, inventive and seminal musical movement that like the pioneers make this new thing and it's given a name and then they want to immediately like separate themselves from it because, uh, you know. 
they're they're being put into a box at this point. Like you, whenever you give it a name, you're you're putting them in a box. They feel, and so I don't know. I, I've always thought Pearl Jam was a pretty unique band, even among the other grunge people. You know, a lot different from your Nirvanas and Soundgardens and Mud Honey and all that sort of stuff. And so they deserve to push back against the the bastardization of this thing that they helped create. And, you know, the same as punk rock is the same way when the the fashion, like the corduroy jacket and, and, and like flannel shirts and grunge. Same thing in punk rock with like wearing a mohawk and a spiky bracelet or whatever. And what, the giant safety pins? Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the, the idea is these people in the first place were wearing it because that's the clothes that they wore and that they could afford. And then, you know, they were poor and ragged. And then that, that aesthetic was commodified by the same people that they're their music is railing against, you know? Yeah. Um, it's like co-opted by these sort of, uh, I don't know, just co-opted by people who are inauthentic, I guess is probably the, yeah. But then we get into what is authentic. I always feel like super troubled with that. Yeah. I mean, you know me, I'm a, I'm a philosophy nerd. We could one day talk about (laughs) authenticity. Um, Josh S brings probably one of the most authentic bands with pavements Mm -hmm. range life. Out on tour with a smashing pumpkins, nature kids. I, they don't have no function. I don't understand what they mean. I could really give up. The Stone Temple Pilots, they're elegant bachelors. Foxy to me, are they foxy to you? I will agree. But there's absolutely nothing. I submit this against my better judgment, but we all know Malkmus was a smarmy son of a bitch. First of all, who is Malkmus? That'd be Stephen Malkmus, the singer and guitar player for Pavement. But it sounds like a delicious candy bar. It does, actually. You're right. <laughs> um, the cool thing, what I find like whenever I said that they're like the most authentic band, Pavement really is one of those bands that is a band's band. Like You hear a lot within different... Uh, bands, you know, they're striving for authenticity, like how amazing Pavement is. And sometimes it can be hard to listen to a lot of Pavement songs because they didn't make that many, like, you know, what you would consider listenable radio hits. Right. So I feel like they have this kind of, um, this, you know, personal grievance against uh, this other person, uh, the Smashing Pumpkins' Billy Corgan. Yeah, for sure. And... The story of it seems kind of convoluted. Billy Corgan says, no, this didn't really happen. But then, of course, everybody doesn't like Billy Corgan. Yeah, he's kind of an ego. kind of of mean. Big ego, yeah. So outside of the lyrics, though, which it it is a kind of aggressive song, um, it's kind of chill. Yeah, the music's pretty chill. Like, I want to sit on a veranda outside in a rocking chair to this pavement song but it's such an inside backstage look at like the music industry and specifics that it, it's interesting that this is a very autobiographical uh, biographical like personal grudge that you know the lead singer has against this yeah, other lead he's, singer he's definitely calling out some Bill, billy corgan so uh, is 
Lollapalooza Billy Corgan's thing or something? No, actually, I think I may be wrong, but I think it's uh, Perry Farrell from Jane's Addiction may be the one who oh, began okay. Lollapalooza. Because I know this somehow came out of a Lollapalooza beef. Yeah, yeah, I think. Uh, Smashing Pumpkins was supposed to play and got taken off, or or Pavement was supposed to play and got taken off, or something. I didn't read about all that beef too deep, but it was pretty aggressive. But yeah, Stephen Malkmus, uh, pre- he he's calling Billy Corgan obscurantist, and you know, like I have no idea what those songs mean, and I don't really care. He also calls out Stone Temple Pilots essentially for being a bunch of pretty boys with no real substance. Uh, but what's your take on that? <clears throat> well, for what it's worth, I I definitely disagree with that for <laughs> sure. Um, I love Stone Temple Pilots. They're very they're very uh, unique band. The interplay between the guitar and bass is very different than a lot of other rock bands. Uh, I know that in a 2010 GQ interview uh, <laughs> that I was reading, Stephen Malkmus also says that you know he in in retrospect he probably wouldn't call out people in that same way and he, he wrote this song to kind of talk about the cooler cooler than now attitudes that a lot of indie bands had especially like smashing pumpkins and all that sort of stuff yeah and he says he probably wouldn't uh make it quite so obvious these days would he be a little more subtle uh, I, I i would suppose so i don't know i don't think of pavement as a subtle band yeah that was a pretty ballsy call out to just straight up say stone temple pilots and smashing pumpkins i know like really oh I mean, even Tide doesn't call out game. <laughs> right. <laughs> Matt S. brings limp wrist. I love hardcore boys. I love boys hardcore. <laughs> Now, he has a really great, like, story about this. Like the band itself, the early days, in the early days, this is a diss track on the entire hardcore scene, a tongue-in-cheek indictment of the scene's juxtaposition of homoeroticism, i.e. sweaty boys dancing and writhing in close proximity to each (laughs) other, and completely over-the-top gay bashing and homophobia. It surely helps that this song, along with the band's entire recorded output, is totally ripping hardcore. Um... You know, he won me over with this, like, argument for this song. And also, you know, Jackson had, like, a kind of a scene for a while, but I don't remember a lot of homophobia. Now, I was a female in that environment, so I don't know if necessarily I would get the same thing. I have heard, like, you know, people I would have thought of being in that scene being terrible people now. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure they probably had the seeds of being terrible people then. Um, Now, if you go into a lot more of the scene... Uh, you know, because you still have the emo bands and the punk bands and there's like Facebook groups like, you know, homages to these and sharing the music and stuff. And some of it is blatantly, horrifyingly homophobic still. And like very, 
anti-woman. Yeah, there's a like especially modern metalcore. One of my coworkers was playing me some band the other day where I mean every single song was about how his girlfriend cheated on him and like I get it. That shit hurts. But like he he just like is saying a lot of really extreme shit in these lyrics and I'm like and my 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 coworker like enjoys it and I was like I can't get behind this, my dude. Yeah, like that that's the thing is like I feel like there's a lot of angst that a lot of this music comes out of, but you know, there's a way to be productive about it and then there's a way to be um very anti new listenership as well as like, you know, just the same, you know, take your cookie cutter listener and that's who you want. And so I wondered how much like I think about the movie Green Room. I haven't seen that. You still haven't seen that. Oh, it's so good. But terrifying. But it's um kind of it's the extreme of like, you know, anti Semitism and like white nationalism within yeah. like a punk scene specifically. Right, yeah. But it's also made up and it's a horror film. Yeah, there but. was a lot of the a lot of that trash white supremacy stuff in, in a lot of like uh kind of under the radar punk bands, but that shit got wiped out pretty quick, thank goodness. Yeah, I, I hope Reddit hasn't brought it back. <laughs> so yeah, har- hardcore kids are definitely one of the weirdest paradoxes in musical fan bases. Uh, their themes are a lot of times progressive and individualistic. But the community is really insular. Uh, they they take the values of nonconformity to an illogical conclusion, and they're very they they become very much their own like in group, trying to take down what they see as an out group. You know, if you weren't straight edge, you weren't real hardcore, and if you weren't punching the air and picking up imaginary pennies off the floor or whatever, you weren't <laughs> you weren't the real deal. So, in isolating themselves in that way, like hardcore fandom developed some questionable views towards women and homosexuality and those who didn't fit into the like macho pigeonhole. Uh, so I'm definitely glad Limp Wrist came along and cracked that shit wide open. Yeah, I was really appreciative to hear like that, like, you know, the sound, but also addressing the problems within the community, which a lot of times were not addressed. Yeah, and I mean, they called their band Limp Wrist. So, I mean, like from the get go, they're in your face. They're like, you want to come fight us and, and say some shit about us? Yeah. Come on. I mean, I, I think it's pretty fabulous. And I'm really glad that like Matt S brought this like to my attention because I've never like. I never even knew this band existed, and it's very much in, like, you know, stuff that I love to listen to. Yeah. So, and uh, if you want to check out the full lyrics, if you can't understand them, oh, yeah. <laughs> go to the Facebook thread. Yeah, and, you'll find it. Yeah, just look up Limperist within the group, and you'll be able to see it. I always appreciate how thorough Matt is. He always so writes good. a nice... A nice uh, little bit a little blurb about everything he posts and then you know he's always very completionist so i appreciate that about you lum thank you craig brings tools hooker with a penis
says, not a diss track against a genre, but posers in general. I am not a Tool fan, and I, you know, I was in high school when Hot Topic carried only Tool clothes, mm-hmm. and I can see that they're very confronting of like, oh, you only like us because we're cool now, but also we want your money, so it's like, they're very upfront and honest about it. I find that th- this isn't written for me. I don't think I was the person that they were. Certainly not. Yeah. So I, I, posers are, I, I, I guess probably because I'm coming from that hardcore scene where like people were attacking posers, anybody mm-hmm. who wasn't there the moment something came out. Sure. And when you think about hardcore originally, you have uh, stuff that was only passed along on cassette tapes or uh, random 45s. So it was impossible sometimes to be on the front edge of these things. And there's still albums I haven't tracked down. Um, I, I think that this is like very aggressively talking about like selling out and posers and like wearing people's t-shirts. Mm-hmm. And I feel this is kind of why I avoid wearing band t-shirts unless yeah. I love, love, love them and know everything about them. So you will not see me yeah. wearing band t-shirts because this is my fear is to be called out. <coughs> and a lot of what they're really upset about is the fact that this person just started listening to them and now is going to comment on, hey, you sold out. But you know that there are people with that hoodie where that look like a penis. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, is, I may or may not have owned I know about owned 17 <laughs> different Tool shirts. Uh, yeah, this is where I get to admit that Tool is my favorite band for sure in high school. I absolute, I was way into it. I was reading stuff on Tool forums and... Uh, yeah, I was, I was way deep into Tool in high school. Did you I, get the amazing album where you had to have the little glasses to set up the whole lake? Yeah, that was 10,000 Days. And yeah, the, the the album... Art. Yeah, it was all... It was made into the CD case. There was these little lenses that you looked through to make everything 3D and weird looking. And everybody got those tattoos. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, I don't know. To this day, I'm still not sure if I should admit to liking Tool. Maynard, their singer, definitely has some questionable views that he's come out with pretty recently. But oh, I've missed those. Yeah, he's, he's, he's not... Not the not the greatest dude, we'll say. We'll just leave it at that. That's but. the same person who did Perfect Circle, though, right? Yeah. Okay, see, and I like that. That was written for yeah, me. Yeah, Perfect Circle was... I, I, I wasn't into them as much whenever I was getting into Tool, and then, like, somewhere along the way, they really grew on me. But, I don't know, Tool's lyrics and stuff were always really progressive, even though, like, the music kind of gets hardcore and stuff. But their lyrics were always about kind of rising above base desires and emotions and trying to channel that into like something bigger and more meaningful. Uh, and so uh, that's something I always kind of did appreciate about tool. But in this song, he's like calling, calling out all the fans and people that would, you know, say that tool was selling out for signing a major label and getting all this national recognition and all that. All the while, these people are, you know, wearing the, the name brand clothes like Levi's and Vans trying to be cool and fit in and giving all their money to corporations like Coca-Cola you know, Maynard has no qualms in the song that, uh, you know, that the fans are being hypocrites and that he and his band are indeed out to make money and do what they love for a living. Uh, and in fact, on their previous record, Undertow, they had some like controversial imagery in the liner notes. And so it caused it to be pulled in a lot of stores. So Tool made a censored version <laughs> of the album art and it had a little note that says, although we loathe being censored, we want your money and we want your money was crossed out <laughs> and it said, we want you to hear our, we want everyone to hear our music instead. <laughs> and so 
it's pretty tongue in cheek a little bit, but like I feel like Tool is being very upfront with the fact that they're doing this to make money, that they want to play music for a living. And I'm glad that they got to do that. I sure wish I could do it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the dream of most musicians is to make music for a living. And, like, that's, th- I mean, people, that's really the point. And I think that, oh, what's Green Day's front man? Um, Billy Joe Armstrong. So I think one of his famous quotes is, like, um, you know, if a if a plumber started making money in his job, you wouldn't call him a sellout. Yeah. So <laughs> that's like, I always like that. Now I'm not a massive fan of green fan, uh, green day. You know, I like their catchy stuff cause it's very pop, mm-hmm. but you know, I, I always like that whenever people say sellout and maybe that's why I have the feelings I have about like posers and stuff like that. I'm like, you know, they are in this to make money. Right. And especially if you've already paid your dues, like if you're a band that, you know, is, is you're putting together a band with the full intention of like, we want to make money, and so we're going to change whatever our artistic integrity would otherwise be so that we can make something that has mass appeal for the sake of making money. I can understand how someone might have a problem with that. But even then, that doesn't mean that these people don't appreciate mm-hmm. the art of music and what music should be all about. It just means that they're tired of struggling, and maybe they got a, you know a mortgage to pay, and so they go and play Mustang Sally or whatever <laughs> they got to do to make some ends meet. Yeah. Well, you know, Jean, Jean-Michel Basquiat, he did a, I think there's a famous story as well of him, like, someone said that they would buy a painting if it was green, but he was, and the painting wasn't green, so mm-hmm. he's like, oh, I can make it green. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I got like, you. I got you on that one. Um, Debbie brings Dead Milkman's instant club hit, You'll Dance to Anything. Don't try to tell me that you're an intellectual. You're just another boring bisexual. I met Andy Warhol at a really chic party. Blow it out your hair, too, cause you work at Hardy's. 80 pounds of makeup on your art school skin. 80 points of eye located within. You know what you are? You're a bunch of This song really is like, I I don't know quite what to make about it. It uses some like some terms that I'm like, uh, are they attacking my people? Um, but I think it was very tongue in cheek because it's saying like, these people are saying, Oh, you're not a legitimate person or you're not being honest. And you're just like a boring, uh, boring person or, you know, just being up, like putting your nose up at something. Cause right. you can. And I was like, I was trying to struggle with this one. I was like, wait, I hear some words that are like making me angry, but I think that was the point is like, Oh wait, this is the commentary of what this is. Right, yeah, I think uh, this is definitely, like, it's a statement against Fairweather fans and, like, people who join the punk scene, not for its values and aesthetics, but to be seen, you know, to show off their fashion and pretend to be cooler and punker than everyone else. Um, They reference people trying to emulate Susie Sue from, uh, from yeah. yeah. (laughs) Uh, She had, like, this goth aesthetic, so they kind of, like, mention everyone, 
copying that. And so they're already telling these people, you're unoriginal. You're copying Susie Sue. Yeah. And uh, from Susie and the Banshees. I don't know why the name of her band slipped my mind <laughs> for a second. But there it is. I'm, I have credibility. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And like they also trash a bunch of like European bands because everyone was super into whatever wasn't from America. And they thought that that was cool or whatever. Cascade is not from America. Right. <laughs> uh, let's, let's not even go there again. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so, so they're taking these shots at all these people who are like super into the European music and just, they're kind of not re- being real about their appreciation of music. And I, I think dead milkmen are being a lot more, uh, giving a lot more wiggle room to, to people who are really into what they do, but also happen to be into the Smiths or Depeche Mode or whatever. Uh, I, I don't know why they're trying to take shots at the Smiths or, or Depeche <laughs> Mode. I will always... I will always appreciate both those bands, but I do kind of love Depeche Commode. I've never heard that before, <laughs> but taking taking that uh, aggression, I will not stand for that. <laughs> uh, all that said, though, I think it's a, a pretty good microcosm for like the issue that faces the growing any growing music scene. Like humans love to isolate themselves into groups, and they they kind of tie their values in these little prescribed packages instead of questioning that authority and coming to their own conclusions and simply being themselves enjoying what they enjoy without you know needing everyone else's approval and without having to give in to hero worship and and conforming to fashion standards or a certain aesthetic look just be who you are and if you like hardcore music listen to hardcore music and if you also love listening to the smiths go listen to the smiths yeah. that's what i do i i mean that's the thing is like i i this um this show really lets me like ruminate about how like you know when you're a teenager and you're like I do want to be with these like group of friends am I legitimate enough like does it did I come to this music too late because of course a lot of the friend group I had was very like music based even though I'm a terrible musician I tried (laughs) (laughs) and um you know I think that this maybe genre like this like hold on genres is something that Maybe we do as younger people and maybe as we get older, we relax into it or we get more, you know, more possessive of this specific genre. I I don't know. As I'm getting older, I'm trying to think about it. And of course, the show is like, hey, let's listen to all the genres. Yeah, I've always been pretty eclectic and like kind of prided myself on on being a a pretty eclectic taste in music. So I, I just don't I have a hard time understanding why other people can't be that same way. I mean, I, I get it that like if you find something that you connect with and like for instance, Matt who who submitted the the Limp Wrist song, he's he's talked about being a part of the hardcore community himself. And it's just whenever you feel alienated from everyone else and you find a group of people that like music that you like, you just really lean into it and you you let it become your in group, you know, and just let's get away from that thinking, man. Just listen to whatever and like find something you enjoy about anything. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter if it's country music. I can listen to pop country radio and I'm not going <laughs> to enjoy every song, but I'll be like, oh, I love that progression or that harmony. There's always something you can find. Yeah. That, I mean, that's kind of the basis of the show is like there's something and every song is someone's favorite song yeah. that's ever existed. Sure. Like I've met someone who will who will sing Toto's Africa any moment she can do it. It's a good song. Rosanna's better, but it's a good song. (laughs) 
Well, she'll argue that Toto's Africa is the best song that's ever existed. Um, if you need to at us about our views on Dylan, Hardcore, uh, Maynard, or yeah. who else have we? <laughs> yeah, I think we've taken some some shots. Oh, yeah. Anti-Flag, if you got something to, to say d- to defend Anti-Flag, yeah. I dare you. <laughs> you can tweet at... Uh, at Ian D Pod on Twitter mm-hmm. and I'm at Pow I Gotcha on Twitter and I'm at Madam Woolite. The Facebook group, which is filled with really interesting songs that I did not know existed whatsoever, uh, that's Earbuds and Earworms podcast group. Our voicemail line is. 731-400-BUDS or 731-400-2837. You can always email the show at endpod at gmail.com and you can check out whatever weird picture I'm going to choose for this at endpod.com for the 10710 network. Now, Naomi suggested this theme. Right. And she gave us a song. So she was like, this is this this is a thing. And it's the Agrolite's Countryman fiddle. Uh, did you get a chance to listen to this? I did. It's very good. Yeah. And so she suggested this theme. She gets the final song. And this song is about um, country music not having enough soul. Yeah. So I was like, eh, you know, I don't necessarily agree with it, but maybe for this particular narrator within this song that that is true. It's all about uh, what country music artists you pick. A lot of them have more soul than just about anything else you can find. So. Hank Williams. Hank yeah. Williams Sr. Not, Dude, not yeah, Sr.'s all about it. Yeah. But so this is, we're going to leave on this amazing song by the Agrolites Countryman Fiddle. And thank you so much, Naomi, for your suggestion.
I thought Bob Dylan was pretty overrated. I'm sure, like, yeah, another high five. Whoosh.